0: For too long, the fertility market has been bewildering, overwhelming, and frankly, I think has downright ignored the needs and difficult experiences of the people they're supposed to be serving. Ovum has made it their mission to change this completely. Now, I am extremely choosy about who I promote on this podcast because I'm very protective of my listeners and audience, which is why you've probably only ever heard one spoken ad like this before. So it's with complete confidence, excitement and pride that I can share this amazing company with you. Ovum care about you, truly. From creating products to support conception and fertility that are designed by doctors and backed by the latest science without cutting any corners, from adding access to meditations I've personally written and recorded inside their pregnancy test boxes, Ovum is founded by individuals who've navigated infertility themselves. I really couldn't be more proud to partner with them and tell you about them. Ovum is driven by the belief that everyone who is trying to conceive deserves better, and I am 100% behind this ethos. So head over to startwithovum.com and use code LIFERAFT10 for 10% off their tests and supplements. Hello, welcome back to Fertility Life Raft with me, Alice Rose. It is such a pleasure to be talking to you again after what was probably the busiest week I've actually had since launching all of the fertility stuff that I do, and that is because the week of content which was shared over on the BBC channels, Radio 2 and 5 Live and the social media and the website, um, that all went out last week. And it was really, really amazing to finally see it come alive after getting the commission a year ago, but it did sort of take over my head and my life for a a, a while, shall we say. Um, and I suppose, actually, I just wanted to start off by saying thanks, because if you do follow me on Instagram or on social media anyway, you'll know that I've been getting like a bit more, a bit more honest, I suppose, and quite vulnerable and just kind of trying to share what it's like behind the scenes, you know, stepping into this space of awareness raising and campaigning, which obviously I've been campaigning for a while, you know, to try and help people understand what not to say. But this is definitely the most coverage that that conversation has had and that the awareness raising has had. So to sort of take up that space and be the person behind it, is is brilliant on lots of levels but it's also quite scary and you know it comes with lots of other you know concerns and anxieties and all kinds of other things which I, I shared a little bit about on my social media and I just had really really amazing support from all of you so a great big thank you um really truly for for kind of being being my being my support while I do my best to support you so that's, that's that side of things so but really I'm just so happy to be back doing this and sharing the content that I really really want to share which I believe can truly help us through this rubbish experience of just trying to bring home a baby and and finding it difficult so I did have a slightly longer break than than was planned between the last two episodes so thank you for sticking with me but I am back today to bring you a fantastic conversation I had with none other than the anxiety expert herself, Chloe Brotheridge. I was absolutely delighted that we could fit in this chat. Chloe is a kind of a big deal, guys. Like she's been featured in Women's Health, Glamour, Stylist. She's got two books out and she coaches people to just help them become calmer versions of themselves. And just being in her company was a very calming experience. And I just thought she would be an amazing person to talk to because I know that when we were going through treatment, I found myself really suffering with anxiety and not dealing well with the waiting that we had to go through. But it was by using the sort of techniques that we're going to discuss in this conversation, which led to real, real change in how I felt and how I coped with our situation. So I'm going to stop waffling and I'm going to let you listen to it. And here she is. We're sitting in Chloe's really
1: beautiful Hackney flat. And it smells really nice. I'm into smells. I'm into like aromatherapy or candles or incense. Always have to have like one or two smells going on at all times. I was actually
0: really <laughs> looking forward to coming to your place because I thought, I bet it's going to be really calming <laughs> <laughs> and really chilled out. And it is. Oh, I'm not disappointed. Um, so thank you so much for squeezing me in because I've actually really wanted to speak to you for a while. Ever since I discovered you and what you were doing, I just thought this is exactly the kind of stuff that people going through fertility, especially we'll talk about the, the waiting that we have to go through and how we can cope with that and anything that you can help with, with that. With that. Um, and especially for people who may not have experienced any kind of anxiety or mental health issues before, they found themselves in this position. Um, so why don't you tell me a little bit, if you're okay, to just go through your own story and kind of what led you to become the anxiety
1: expert? Yeah, sure. So um, so I had a lot of anxiety from quite an early age. I was very shy as a child, but it properly kicked off when I was a teenager. I think it can be similar for lots of people that it originates in the teenage years when we're going through lots of changes. and learning about ourselves and the world and I started having panic attacks um, and you know for anyone who's had a panic attack you'll know how how scary it is because you really feel out of control, often people think that they're dying and I thought I was dying, I thought I was having a heart attack at the age of 15 um, and was kind of begging my friend to, to take me to A E, basically. Um, and I remember after that, this sense of being out of control, this anxiety that was very, very physical for me I would manifest in kind of yeah, real physical sensations and thinking that, you know, this panic attack could strike at any time. And I would worry about things. And I had a lot of social anxiety, found it hard to kind of talk to people. And it actually took me a long time to to get some help, even though I, I knew it was anxiety at 15. I sort of thought to myself oh you know I'm just this way you know I can't do much about this no one can help me I'm going to feel like this forever and again and that's a common thing for a lot of people um 10 years is kind of the average amount of time people experience anxiety before they get any help for it so it's something that a lot of people are struggling with and not not kind of realizing that it's something that can get better um and so kind of yeah when I was about 25 or so I started to well I reached a a bad point a very bad point and realized I had to to do something about it and had to get some help and um I started to really um make that the most important thing in a way I think I, I, I got myself into this mindset of right my mental health you know needs to be sorted out and I'm going to make this the most important thing and see what happens and so I yeah read a lot of books had a lot of different types of therapy, tried a lot of things and slowly, you know, started to make progress and, you know, become a calmer person and now I get to help other people who have gone through the same thing as me. I just
0: love that transformation of just going, you know, it's that A to B thing which is really transformative for other people to hear that there is a potential way through Something which I'm sure can just feel completely all-consuming, and that you, like, how are you ever going to get through this period of your life? But there are there are ways and things that you can do. So, for someone listening who's going, "Oh my god, yes, the panic attacks or that feeling of being out of control," how would you try to guide them through into um, like the first steps to regaining some of that control or understanding more about their anxiety?
1: Yeah so I think for some people they they will know that it's anxiety and for others you might not even call it that you might be someone that has always been on quite high alert and so it almost seems kind of normal in a way and I hear from lots of people that they never relax and they never switch off not even on holiday and obviously if you're going through you know challenges in your life that might be intensified. Um, for other people they might have never experienced this before and it can seem you know very confusing Um, I definitely recommend trying to learn about anxiety and and what it is and um you know whether that's reading books or blogs or um something like that and and um you know obviously go to your doctor to speak about anxiety if you if you're worried I think that's really important to say that um you know it's good to get it properly diagnosed just to to know what it is that you're dealing with Um, there's also really good quiz on the nhs website it's called the nhs mood quiz i often recommend people check out and that can just tell you whether you have mild or moderate or severe anxiety or not or you don't have anxiety at all um and i think that's quite good just to know where you are with it um because i th- i feel like anxiety is a really
0: misunderstood one like a lot of people might talk about being anxious but when it comes to actually suffering with anxiety um there doesn't seem to be a huge amount of understanding, um, from what I can see. My husband has generalized anxiety disorder, so he and we only found that out after a long time of being together. And it's really interesting that you were saying about people often suffer for ten years between, b- before actually seeking any help. I think his was more like fifteen or even twenty years yeah. um, before, and I don't know whether that's because he's a man or whether it was you know who knows what it was that that stopped him from trying to get this diagnosis before that time but definitely there doesn't I always find myself trying to you know he's fairly open about it now hoping he's all right (laughs) chatting Mm -hmm. about it on here I'm sure he is um but people don't seem to kind of get that a change of plan or um just his very personal triggers will be difficult to navigate and that it is like a real physical reaction sometimes as well. Do you, would you say that, that it was like a quite a misunderstood
1: thing? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a word that gets used so much. You know, in the last few years it's, it's used more and more and there is a distinction between normal worries, normal kind of nervousness, like worrying before an exam or worrying about um a job interview or feeling nervous for a job interview that's normal i suppose anxiety the mental health issue is where it affects your life um it holds you back from things um it might be something that you experience on a near daily basis or um it means that you avoid certain situations so it is anxiety the mental health issue is more than just you know the occasional worry or the occasional nervousness but um Yeah, sometimes people can think maybe, because everyone is worried about things, I felt nervous, sometimes people are not very understanding when someone really has that physical, strong physical sensations of anxiety, and it is such a physical issue, it's it's a mental health issue, but actually the majority of the symptoms are actually physical, Um, it can be hard to understand, you know, why can't you just snap out of it, or just pull yourself together, or something, but You know, it's so, it can be very all-consuming, very, very real, not something you can just snap out of or think your way out of or, you know, think positive thoughts or just stop worrying. It's, you you can't, it's very hard to do that in in the moment,
0: I think. So so how, okay, so go and potentially go to the GP if you are thinking, okay, yeah, this is affecting my life. I think I need to learn more about um, what is happening here. And then what could, and reading books and learning about it. So that's kind of stuff people anyone can do sitting at home and just trying to figure out what is going on here. And there was the um, something that you shared on your recent challenge, the Karma You Challenge, which I loved, which was about the feelings wheel to help you identify exactly what you were feeling. Can you explain
1: what that is and how that works and how people could use it? Yeah, definitely. So... So we're not very good at knowing what we feel very often. If we are asked how we are, we might reply with, fine, firstly, when we're not. Um, But we might say, oh, we're stressed or we're anxious. Or we're thinking about how we are. We might think, oh, I feel stressed right now, I feel anxious. But actually there are so many other emotions that can be deeper than the anxiety even or can be what's really going on for us. And something actually happens in the brain, when we label our emotions accurately, um, it actually calms down the amygdala, the, fa- the part of the brain responsible for the fight or flight response. Um, so it's very, very helpful to get clear on what it is exactly that we're feeling. And people can Google the feelings wheel. We can go to thefeelingswheel.com, and it's a pretty rainbow wheel that lists basically all the different kind of categories of emotions, all the different emotions that we can feel. And so instead of just thinking, oh, I feel anxious, actually drilling down a little bit deeper and thinking, you know what, am I actually feeling disappointed right now? Or am I feeling lonely? Or am I feeling, um, you know, angry? You know, sometimes anger can be actually what's at the root of our anxiety sometimes. And it also enables us, when we know what we're feeling, to take action, to take appropriate action. So if we know that we're feeling lonely for example we can then maybe reach out to someone or um, you know look for support groups or something about what we're going through um, if we're just thinking oh, I felt anxious then we're not so equipped to, to deal with that so I think it's a great practice just to get into the habit of asking yourself how am I really and then consulting the feelings wheel and kind of drilling down to what, what you're actually feeling. Oh, I think that's so helpful
0: it's so helpful because and especially if you're going through an infertility
1: journey you might
0: be going on a roller coaster wheel (laughs) rather than just you know you you can't you you don't know what's coming next you never know quite how you're going to feel literally sometimes from hour to hour so to be able to start to label it and just kind of take that down a notch feels already I feel like I feel calm (laughs) thinking about Mm. that and just going you know what there's actually potentially a little bit of a solution to however I'm feeling and I like the idea of thinking there's always something I can do there's always something proactive I could potentially do to take myself from feeling this way into feeling another way and it's not about ignoring that feeling is it it's it's about understanding what it is and then and then what's the next step like once so you reaching out for example or doing what whatever that feeling is provoked in you what about if you're if you if you don't even know how to get rid of that feeling what's another way of kind of dealing with anger or dealing with with a feeling that you you don't know what the kind of solution is, if
1: that makes sense. Mm. So firstly, I mean, do we need to get rid of feelings? I think we, I mean, it's it's so natural, I think, to want to get rid of a quote-unquote negative feeling, but, you know, our feelings are often there for a reason. And actually, if we are always trying to get rid of it, we end up suppressing it. And that means that the feeling actually hangs around for longer than if we maybe just give ourselves a bit of time to feel disappointed and maybe i don't know do some writing about that or talk to someone about that or you know if you're feeling angry how can you express that anger you know i'm i'm a big believer in um i don't know screaming into a pillow pounding i like to pound sometimes on my bed <laughs> just um let out some of that anger because you know our feelings are an energy in our bodies and if we make ourselves wrong for feeling that or suppress it, then that energy stays stuck and that just makes us more anxious, actually, in the long run. So allowing yourself to feel it. Allowing yourself to feel it. Allowing, you know, some feelings you, you have to kind of learn to accept and just allow to be there. Others, there are proactive things that you can do. Um, and being able to take some action will help you to feel more in control. So... Um, and I think often we're prone, especially women, to ruminating, to overthinking yeah. um, and not taking action and actually thinking about what is the action that we can take to help us just to feel more in control. So is there a tiny step that we can, that we can take to, to, to do something about what it is that we're going through? And one of your things that you talk about is shaking, isn't it? Tell me about that yes okay so this is yeah something that we did on the challenge um so it's based on what animals do in the wild if you've ever watched i always think about my cat that used to like climb on the apple tree outside in the garden and every now and again she'd fall out of the tree and shake her body really vigorously to kind of what what animals are doing when they do this is getting rid of the 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 stress of having a little fall or, you know, if a wild animal has a near miss with a predator, it will shake its body to get rid of the stress and the tension. And what we do as human beings is we don't get rid of that tension. We just tend to hold on to it. And we might be sat at our desks, you know, having gone through some kind of emotional, you know, traumatic experience. And actually we're not we're not able to really release that so it stays in our bodies as tension, as anxiety as a panic attack it can, can bubble up as and so shaking our bodies is a really amazing way to get rid of that energy to process the stress or the trauma or whatever it is that we're wanting to process so you can you can it's exactly as you can imagine <laughs> you know, <shaking. laughs> what i often say is you know stand feet shoulder width apart have a slight bend in your knees put some tunes on if that helps And you're kind of almost like bobbing up and down, shaking your arms. I like to get my shoulders into the mix, like shaking the shoulders. And you can do it from anything from a couple of minutes to like 20 minutes if you're really getting into the shaking. But people find that they feel amazing afterwards. You can really feel as if you are able to let something go. And there's even forms of therapy. There's something called TRE, trauma release exercises, that... You know, involve basically shaking for you know an hour-long class. Um, that sounds quite amazing. Yeah, quite like to do that. You should run it. Yeah, yeah, it's quite amazing. Um, but it's thought to really release you know trauma in the body that we hold on to.
0: So that's so interesting. I, th- I mean, I I learned quite a lot about the tension that we hold in our bodies when I was at drama school and just learning about how, like physical anatomy and how that can affect your voice and how to best ask, you know ac- access says that and I know that we hold a lot in our jaw which I never would have thought of before but that we have this all this tension in our jaw and in our shoulders and everywhere and that you just don't even consider do you until you start thinking about it is there a difference between um just shaking and going for a run or dancing or something is there something sort of that you get from specifically going I'm going to spend 10 minutes shaking that maybe you wouldn't get from going for a run, or is it kind of on a par, do you reckon?
1: Um, Good question. I know that with TRE, um, it's quite a specific type of shaking, basically in the classes. They get you to do some leg exercises to tire your legs out, and then you lie on the floor with your knees bent, and you get the shake that kind of comes from the psoas muscle. And that's thought to be where we hold on to a lot of tension kind of around the hips. So it really comes from there. Um, but maybe people should experiment with what, what works for them. Try the shaking. And also I think the shaking is something that you could take yourself off to the loo's at work and do or something as a kind of two-minute thing just to get rid of some tension. That's a really good point, actually, because mm. I was going to say
0: my, one of my favourite ways to release tension is just dancing and just putting on, putting on some tunes and yeah. just dancing. Yeah. <laughs> and I love it, and I've always okay. loved dancing. But shaking is basically... A way of putting a bit of intention behind it, isn't it? And also being able to do it if you don't have access to your speaker or your yeah. living room, <laughs> then yeah. you can do it wherever you are, kind of thing. Maybe in the loo rather yeah. than at your desk.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I think the intention thing is so important, though. It's amazing. They, you know, they've done studies into um, weight loss and intentions. They told, um, you know, uh, cleaning staff at a hotel. That um, cleaning is really good for helping you to lose weight, and those people that were told that lost weight, whereas the clean, the cleaning staff that weren't told that didn't lose weight. So our intention when we're doing something is really important. So having the intention, if you're going for a run, that I'm going to let go of this stress and the uncertainty and the whatever it is, um, I think is so crucial. And it, cha- it changes how you feel, right? I mean, if you're if you're if you're putting
0: pressure on yourself and you're you're doing something in order to get to a certain place, and you have to reach that certain place. That's that's a lot of pressure. Whereas, if you're just doing something in order to feel calmer, um, well, that's just more enjoyable all around, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think it's all about trying to just like, I think if you're going through infertility, you kind of have the weight of the world on your shoulders a bit because you're, you're just always every single day trying to get to this this point of, of being pregnant or having, you know, carrying a baby to term and having a a healthy baby. And so there's this immense pressure that comes with it every single day. And and that, that filters down into like all of your choices, what you're eating, what you're doing with yourself, how you're coping with the feelings that you're having. And actually, is there a way that we can, we can relieve some of that, um, that kind of, that that, well yeah the changing the intention behind it for me that was a game changer just changing my day-to-day how what what do I want to feel like today made it so much easier to just get through what we were going, going through so how can people set intentions what would you do you set intentions
1: yeah so I I do all sorts of things I I meditate and then I might think about what sort of day I want to have afterwards. Like I I rest for sort of five minutes after meditating because I do transcendental meditation and you're supposed to rest afterwards. So I might picture how I want the day to go and think about how I want to feel or think about what I want to call into my life. Um, So I do it that way. There's also something called the five minute journal which I sometimes do which gets you to answer the question, what would make today great? So you are kind of setting intentions about what what would make um, it a really good day, um, all sorts of things. Prayer, I suppose, is another way of in, uh, making an intention. If you're that way inclined, to to you know say thanks for what you have and to you know talk about or say to yourself what what it is that you want to call into your life. Uh, yeah, because I think once you start getting into the practice and the habit of
0: doing that, it it becomes something that is sort of more normal and natural to do isn't it and I know before I started doing practices like that it it felt very alien to sit down and go what do I want my day to feel like but now it's it's normal and that's just something that I do quite regularly as well it's just that way of taking back some of the control over what's happening when you might have no control over an outcome but you can control how you feel about it would you say that's... Mm, yeah, that. Makes a lot of sense.
1: Yeah, that makes a
0: lot of sense. Um Okay. So also yes. So let's talk about being thankful. Let's talk about being grateful, because there's been loads of studies about gratitude and how that can impact our mental health and change how we feel about things. And it's always a, it's always a funny one when I talk about. I mean, I talk about it all the time. My hashtag is TTC Look For Beauty. And if you're listening to this, you probably know that because I bang on about it all the time on Instagram. Um, and that's just my... I, I encourage people to look for not just beautiful things, but things that are beautiful to them. So something that they are grateful for. How does gratitude impact how we feel? What what does gratitude actually do? And, and how can we change things up to make it a little bit more... Um, how can how can we be more specific about
1: our gratitude practice yeah so I think it's such a, a important simple but important um, practice and sometimes it sounds a bit airy-fairy gratitude and it, it kind of sounds like oh it's a thing for an Amer- American people to do but there is so much evidence if you just Google you know gratitude studies you'll find so so many studies into it and um, it's really easy, with anxiety particularly, to just focus on you know, the worst case scenario or the negative things that are happening in our lives or things that we, we can't control, things that we don't have. And that's gonna, gonna mean that we feel more anxious or more unhappy. Um, but with gratitude, what we're doing is we're retraining our attention to focus on what we do have and the good things that are in our lives. And it's a bit like training a muscle. Basically, when you are every day, you know, trying to find maybe three to five specific things that you're grateful for, your mind has to go on a little journey to find those things, and it might be harder on some days than others to find those good things. And in a way, that's a kind of a good thing because your mind is having to search, and it's that mental searching for things to be grateful for that trains your mind more and more in your daily life to to notice the good things and the things that you do have and the things to appreciate. And it's been shown to make people more positive and more happy and less anxious. And the reason that I'm always um, encouraging people to be really specific um, is that if we every day were to say, I'm grateful for my home, I'm grateful for my job, I'm grateful for my partner, that would become quite meaningless after a few days. It wouldn't really make us, you know, we wouldn't really be tuned into that thing, it would become kind of boring, so instead really thinking about what are you specifically grateful for about your partner today, what are you specifically grateful for about where you live today, and that gives you a lot more scope for different things to think about, it's much more interesting, you have to think creatively, and your mind is searching more, so you're going to notice more good things. And I would say try this every day for 30 days and you will notice that your mindset starts to become more positive as a result. I just feel really happy talking to you. (laughs) (laughs) It's
0: just very relaxing. Um, The other brilliant thing that you talk about, Chloe, is scheduling in self-care. And I said to you just before we recorded that I have been scheduling in my meditation and not doing it for like two weeks and i think the problem with that first of all i'm getting ahead of myself let's talk about how scheduling and self-care can be really um
1: helpful why do we need to do this well because um well we all know if if something isn't in the diary it doesn't happen (laughs) and very often we kind of expect that we're gonna um, have a walk at lunchtime or do our meditation, but if it's not in the diary, why would we when nothing gets done if it's not in the diary? Um, it's so easy for those things to, to slip and for us to forget how important it is. And I get this, I've, I try to meditate every day, and sometimes I get a bit like, oh, maybe I don't need to meditate, maybe I, you know, I'm just not going to do that. And it's only when I haven't been doing it for a few weeks that I remember, actually, this is really important. And then I'm trying to get into the, the practice again, but it is so easy for us to know, oh, this will be good for me, but not actually do it. So we, we kind of need to have things in place to, to make it easy for us easier for us to actually put these things into practice. And I think just scheduling it in is one way to do that. Um, put it in the diary, tell other people, That you're doing that um you know get your partner or your children or whoever involved so that they're able to support you or remind you or hold you accountable um and remember that actually when we look after ourselves every area of our life gets better every area of our life improves when we're in a better place so it's a very worthwhile investment for everyone involved i think
0: um, yeah, you're so right. And I think if anyone's listening to this and they've done the same as me, put it in the diary and they not still not done it. Um, <laughs> I think telling other people and getting other people to hold you accountable is a really good way of trying to make sure that happens. And, and yeah, just, just remembering that to forgive yourself as well if you haven't managed to do it. And I think that's a really important part of... Self care stuff is that it's all right if if you haven't done it for a while, that's okay. It's just because life's got in the way or whatever's happened, and just bring it back when you can. But it's nice. Like I always find it. Nice, you know, this is the life raft podcast, and I called it that because I felt like this kind of stuff—meditation, um, self development, learning about intention—all of the things that made me feel better—they were they were my life raft supplies. They were the things I needed to keep stocking up. And if I didn't have a good supply stock, I had to I had to do something about that. <laughs> but it's really easy to slip and it's really easy to find yourself, you know, in that zone of just, oh it's fine, it's fine, I'm absolutely fine. And then it's when something hits you and you haven't actually got you you're not topped up that it you realise that you need to get
1: back into it, don't you? I think that's such an important point about yeah, being kind to yourself about even if you do miss it or you haven't done it for weeks. Because if we have these this almost perfectionist kind of standards for ourselves and we beat ourselves up, we're actually less likely to, to try again. If we think, right, I missed my meditation for two days. Oh, I may as well just give up now because I'm rubbish and useless. So I'm never going to do it again. Um, actually, if you can be kind to yourself and just think, right, I can do it again tomorrow, we're more likely to stick to things when we're, when we're kind to ourselves about it. Yeah self compassion oh that's been a
0: really big thing for me this year like learning about self compassion and forgiving myself every time you know because we I mean, we talk, people talk about this a lot but we do beat ourselves up about everything mm-hmm. um and especially with infertility stuff you know you 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 have this kind of there's this weird like guilt and shame and all these different horrible feelings that come through through what mm-hmm. you know not not being able to have a baby or trying to have a baby and not being able to and that self compassion Again, has been a real changing a change um, for me as well, and I know a lot of other people feel feel that. Can you just tell me a little bit more about your transcendental meditation? And if people haven't heard of that, like what's involved, how could people learn about it? Yeah, so
1: it's a type of meditation that comes from um, India. Um, it's thought to be about five thousand years old. It comes from the Vedas. Um, so if anyone's heard of Ayurveda, um, that's kind of the same kind of school of uh, knowledge. And it is a really simple technique where you're given a mantra, which is this, basically a sound, a Sanskrit sound, and you say it to yourself in your head. And you feel yourself, as you're saying your mantra, starting to drift down levels of your mind. And at times you find yourself going to this very deep level where gets very quiet and peaceful and you get this blissful feeling kind of rise up in you and that blissful feeling just feels like this is me this is like what essentially I am um and you know it doesn't always you don't always get to that point you know I've been meditating every day for about 10 years now and I have loads of times when I'm thinking the whole time when I feel very tempted to go on Instagram halfway through, or do go on Instagram, um, or it gets frustrating or boring, but that's just a normal part of meditation, and it's just about um, trying to be consistent with it. That's what I've learned. I think the consistency of continuing to come back to it. Um, I suppose there's so many different types of meditation. There's mindfulness and different apps, and I've tried a lot of different things. And TM was the one that worked best for me. But we're all different, and so people can try different things and and TM you have to go and um, get taught by a teacher you can't just read a book or get an app Um, and the teachers have been on very intensive trainings to learn how to be teachers so it's not like um, they go on a weekend course and then they're meditation teachers so I like the fact that it's all done very um, in a very kind of um, with a lot of integrity Um, but yeah and also it's quite famous because of all the celebrities that do it in America. Like Katy Perry does TM, and, and <laughs> Jennifer Aniston. <laughs> I've really, heard of it. From that. Yeah,
0: I'm really, I'm really intrigued by by TM because I know um, one of my good friends actually learned, you know, went to learn, and um, it really, yeah, really changed her actually. And it was really interesting to see that transformation. And it's something I, yeah, I'd love to look into that more and do some training myself for sure I really like the idea of the blissful feeling <laughs> yes yeah yeah, yeah yeah it's quite amazing it feels delightful yeah. um you've got like we're sitting here and there's this loads of these beautiful bookshelves filled with all these different amazing books how important is kind of reading and learning about self-development and everything to you, do you are you always reading like what are your favorite books can you share any of those yes
1: yeah so I I like lo- I love audiobooks actually even though there's a lot of physical books here I like audiobooks and I know that like there were certain books like when I was really in a bad place with my own mental health that have really just brought me out of a bad state and kind of reconnected me to what's important um one of my favorite books is Eckhart Tolle um A New Earth um, I'm listening to that again actually at the moment on uh, audiobook, and he also did a podcast with Oprah. Um, so there's ten episodes of this podcast with Oprah and Eckhart Tolle where he's talking about different chapters of this book, which people can access for free. I didn't um, know that. I did. oh, yeah, check oh, it out. Thank you. Uh, my other favourite is Byron Katie, um, who is a she's like a spiritual teacher, I suppose, and she again it's an audiobook called Your Inner Awakening. And she gets people on this, on this audiobook. Um, it's not a physical book, this one, it's only available on audiobook because she has live sessions where she's talking to real people about their problems. And she has this amazing way of just helping people to shift their perspective and realize that a lot of the, the things that we tell ourselves, the negative thoughts that we have, aren't, aren't true. So she, she asks this question Is that really true? And the second question she asks is, can I absolutely be sure that that's true? And of course, we, we can't actually ever be completely sure that those negative thoughts are true. So it just, she really dismantles a lot of the like negative things that we tell ourselves. Oh, that sounds brilliant. Yeah, thank you. I'll definitely look into
0: those. Um, when it comes to waiting periods of time, and dealing with anxiety that comes with that and specifically when you're waiting to find out a really important result you're waiting to go for in from the fertility world for a scan or for your pregnancy test to come back and i'm also thinking of the we call it the two-week wait so in between um an embryo transfer of you're having treatment and then the result what are your tips on coping with a kind of you know a sustained waiting period like that, or even if it's a short waiting period how do you how do you cope with the anxiety that comes with that
1: I think it's it's such a yeah key thing with anxiety is uncertainty and wanting to be in control, wanting to know what's going to happen, and also um, catastrophization the the kind of negatively negatively thinking about the future and imagining the worst and that can create a lot of anxiety so um, so part of it is trying to surrender to the uncertainty and not knowing and as hard as it is um, kind of being okay with being in that uncomfortable space of not knowing how it's going to be and things like mindfulness can really help with that just instead of going into the future and thinking, what if, or imagining different scenarios, just coming back to the, the here and now, and sometimes I tell people to work on checking in with themselves several times a day, and just acknowledging that actually right now in this moment, everything is okay. You know, right now you have everything you need, right now you're safe, right now you've got, you know, air to breathe, and, and a home, and all these different things, and um, and sometimes just that acknowledgement of kind of right now it's okay I can't know what's going to happen in the future we can't no one can know but are we okay right now I'm kind of coming back to that um but I think you know things like meditation it helps you to um be more present and also to have a bit of distance between your thoughts and your response to it so you might still be having the thoughts about you know, the uncertainty, but actually you don't get so caught up in it. You don't, you don't, you know, it doesn't mean that you spiral kind of into anxiety. You can kind of just step back from it a little bit more. I think that was one of
0: my major revelations when I started learning about this, when we were in the middle of everything, that I actually had the ability to interrupt those thoughts and stop the spiral. That was a game changer for me because I realised that that actually, I did have control. I did have control over something that was happening. I might not be able to control whether or not this cycle had worked, but I could decide that that day I was going to do something about how my mind was behaving. Mm. <laughs> and that's—I found that really comforting and really freeing because I think just having, just giving, giving myself back a little bit of the autonomy and like the empowerment for. Living the life that I wanted to lead and not just not being a passenger all the time on you know this journey that we we literally had zero control over (laughs) and that was a real that was a real comfort. Um, You said before you had I'm gonna totally change um, topic now (laughs) but it's all kind of the same kind of thing. We were just talking before about what you have for breakfast. And you said you had a protein smoothie with all of the powders in. And I just want you to tell me a little bit about, like, are you quite into nutrition as well? Does nutrition play quite a big part in your life? Is
1: that part of your well-being? Or tell me about that. So I I studied nutrition at university. I've got a degree in nutrition. um, And I worked as a nutritionist in the NHS for, I don't know, four or five years or something. Four years, five years. Um, So, yeah, it's definitely something I'm interested in. I don't... I'm not one of these people that is, that takes it really far, like I found certainly at university I probably would think about it too much in a way, I think a lot of people struggle with that, where you know you think about it too much and it becomes almost like something to make you more anxious. Um, But I'm quite interested in things like um, medicinal mushrooms and um, things that balance hormones, so I was talking about putting maca in the smoothie and um reishi and and things like that just oh, reishi of... i haven't mm. heard of reishi what's reishi it's a medicinal mushroom not to be confused with magic <laughs> mushroom <laughs> that is um thought to help to calm the nervous system and do all sorts of things often these mushrooms have lots of um interesting effects magical um, powers magical powers <laughs> there's lion's mane that's good for your your brain um yeah, there's so many. I can't even remember the names. I find it but... so much
0: inter- like it gets me quite excited when I think about all the things I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I think oh, there's like all these different things that you could potentially do that could have a really positive effect on,
1: yes. on you. Yeah.
0: So what? So when you changed from nutritionist work to what you do now, was that quite a organic kind of change, or did you how did, how did that kind of happen?
1: Yeah. So I. I, I was working in um, Essex, I was working in weight management in kind of commun like quite deprived communities and um, I would talk to people about, you know, they, they wanted, they were there to sort of lose weight basically and we were trying to help um, and just hearing their stories and the, the kind of the lives that they've had and the trauma that they'd experienced and the stress and just, it just really made me think actually, of course, you know, if you've, if you've got so much stress going on you know eating is a like a coping mechanism for that and actually maybe telling people what to eat isn't actually getting to the root cause of what's going on for people and I got really interested in um, learning about trauma and stress and how that makes an has an impact and having my own issues with anxiety and things obviously I had a interest in that as well so I wanted to learn more about the mind so I kind of retrained in in hypnotherapy and then coaching um and and yeah like to to work with the the mind these days,
0: but that's so interesting, Chloe. Because I've had a lot of conversations with um, people who obviously find themselves in a position where they can't get NHS funding for IVF because they're over the BMI threshold, and then they're sort of stuck because the advice they get is to just lose the weight, and then they might go and see someone. But really, they're not getting to the cause of of what is going on there, and actually, there might be other reasons why they can't get pregnant but they're not going to even get that help until they lose the weight but they might be able to lose the weight because so they end up in this kind of vicious Mm. circle of just not ever really quite being able to get to the place that they need to get to and there's a great um there's a great woman called Nicola Salmon who I've spoken to on this podcast who really supports people in this position so if you're listening to this episode and you haven't listened to my one with Nicola then I really recommend that and she's she's a great source for um people in bigger bodies who are trying to have a baby so i just wanted to say that now i think i've covered everything i wanted to cover is there anything
1: else you yeah. wanted to say where can people find you yeah so um i am on instagram that's the social media that i use the most and it's just at chloe brotherage and i've always got videos on there and tips and links to different resources and um, i also have a free anxiety toolkit on my website at karma you.com forward slash free and if people head there they can download that and there's, there's a hypnotherapy session there's some affirmations and different worksheets so people can check out that as well amazing thank you so much you've got books hang on a minute oh yeah you're a published author yes. wait a second <laughs> you've got two books out is it true yes yeah so one's the anxiety solution which is practical tools for managing anxiety and my my latest book is called brave new girl and it's all about confidence and um you know i've written it for people pleasers, essentially who want to speak up more and take care of themselves more and um be more confident
0: amazing thank you so thank much. you Massive thank you to Chloe for your time and sharing your wisdom and your lovely, calm, peaceful energy. So, yeah, I, I really hope that you guys found that as helpful as as, as I think that this stuff is. Um, And if you did, I'd absolutely love to know. So please, please do share this podcast on your social media if you've just listened to it. And if you can leave a rating or review on Apple or iTunes, you will be really helping me to make this content. And I'll enter you um, into a draw to win to win a a puppy. That's a lie. That's a that's a really big lie. (laughs) But yes, do do please share and oh, and also um, this will be going out a couple of weeks before our big fat negative and Cat and Alice Christmas party. So if you haven't got your tickets yet, they are only twenty five quid. You get prosecco, you get canapes, you get a DJ, you get a bit bit of an award ceremony that we're putting together. Um, It's a beautiful venue it's going to be a really really great night out and it's really open to all so it's you know you, you can bring your mate you can bring you can bring your mum you can bring your partner you can bring whoever you want and or you can just come on your own if you and if you if you do want to come on your own and you're nervous about that then just get in touch and we can try and help you hook you up with people or we can just keep an eye out for you when you come we are very friendly and we will give you a big hug and make sure that you feel really really well looked after and for all of the details just go to catanalyst.com and have a look at our instagram have a look at my instagram the link is in the bio and we do have we've got we've got about 130 people coming already guys it's going to be a banger but there are some more tickets available so if you want one please do grab one now and that is my plug for the Christmas party and thank you once more for listening today and would love to hear what you think so definitely get in touch with me make sure you're following me at this is alice rose on instagram facebook and I am on twitter but I'm not in love with twitter I'm not gonna lie I'm rubbish with it but I am there (laughs) you know theoretically if that's if that's your jam do take care and I will see you soon